Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Bookshop Podcast. I'm Mandy Jackson Beverly. Join me as I chat with authors and other guests who specialize in subjects dear to my heart, the humanities and the environment. To help the show reach more people, please share with friends and family and on social media. And remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. You're listening to episode number 79. Melissa Searcher is an award-winning urban fantasy and paranormal romance author with a passion for philosophy, mythology, and all things supernatural. She is the author of the Blood and Darkness and Beautiful Dark Beast series. Melissa lives in California with her man and her cat. When she's not building dark fantasy worlds and slaying demons, you can find her in the kitchen with a glass of wine in her hand. Hi, Melissa, and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, and with a name like Searcher, I knew I had to have you on the show. Italy is one of my favorite countries in the world. Have you spent much time there? So, um, I have not spent time in Italy yet. Um, However, I am half Sicilian. Uh, My father was born in Trapani, which is in Sicily, and then uh, most of my family is from a tiny island. Um, which is farther south called Moretimo. And um, yes, I'm half Sicilian, half British. So it's an interesting combination, (laughs) two extremes. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, I have a lot of family there still. My sister and my dad were able to go about eight years ago, I think now, but um, I was, I was working, couldn't get the time off. So um, yeah, now that the pandemic is somewhat, I think, um, you know, wrapping up in a sense, uh, I would love to to travel to Europe. And I've no doubt Italy will welcome you. It's a wonderful country, fabulous people. And the history, oh my God, the food, it's all great. Yeah, yeah, I would love to go there. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get there soon. You write urban fantasy, paranormal romance, and enjoy philosophy and mythology, What were you doing before you began writing and why fantasy? Wow, great questions. Um, I started out in the hospitality industry. I have done, you know, bartending, serving, both my parents are in the hospitality industry, literally grew up in it. Um, So I did that for a long time on and off for a little over 20 years. And um, I then at some point got my cosmetology license and I did hair for a really long time, hair and makeup and some salons and did some runway shows and independent films and things like that. Um, so that was fun for a while. And uh, and then I got into more of the corporate side of it, became a spa director at a, a well-known hotel chain. And that was fun. I was climbing the corporate ladder. And just after a while, I got burned out. And I had been writing my whole life as a, as a child, you know, writing poetry and always been a very avid reader. Um, particularly the classics. Um, when I was younger, then when I got into my teenage years, start, discovered Anne Rice and Stephen King, and really got into the whole horror fantasy genre, vampires and witches. Um, so yes, yeah, so I was in this corporate job that I hated, and decided that you know I wanted to start writing. So I I started plotting Blood and Magic, which is my debut novel. And I've just always been drawn to the occult. Um, I have tarot cards and um, I've gone to psychic fairs and things like that. Yeah. And tarot cards are an interesting tool. 
I love them. I um, I collect them actually. I have about twenty decks now. Um, yeah, so I just I really am drawn to that supernatural um, immortality. I always ask, you know, what if questions like, you know, what if it did exist and we just didn't know it? You know, I think in one of those books um, by Deborah Harkness, Discovery of Witches, that's something that she explores. Like, you know, they could just be walking among us and we didn't even know. So that question, um, along with my fascination with history and mythology, um, just allowed me to really flesh out this manuscript. And the first one took me about five years, but um, now I, I write a little bit quicker. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got started. And I was 35 when I started, 34, I think, when I started writing it. And I really, really wanted to just change my career and do something more creative and less stressful. Hmm, I'm thinking about the words less stressful. Stress in a different way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think stress is everywhere. We just have to figure out how to deal with it. Now, within your stories, do you have a favorite character? And if so, why? I guess I would, you know, I hate to play favorites, but I would I would have to say Grey um, in my first series. She's the main character. She's the first character I've ever created. And um, there's a lot of me in her. Um, so I, I would have to say I have a soft spot for her. She's a very strong, uh, character. She's a vampire, which in that series, I use the word dampier because at the time uh, when I was writing it, vampires were like, nobody wanted to touch them. Uh, when I was querying agents were like, oh no, vampires are over. And now they've made a resurgence. People are like, okay, we can write about them again. Um, but at the time, no one wanted them. So I was like, well, let me change the name of it. So it doesn't sound so um, offensive to everyone. <laughs> so I came up with Dampier, which is a real word in mythology, which was a, a term for a half human, half vampire. So I used that word and created this world based on mythology. And Gray just sort of um, just came to me. And I will always, always, always love her probably the most. When we work with characters for so long, when we're writing, we can't help but put part of ourselves into the characters. Is there a characteristic of yours that is mirrored in Grey's demeanor? Probably just her her independence and her sense of adventure and the fact that, you know, most of the surrounding characters rely on her a lot for her strength and her guidance. And that tends to be something in my life, you know, people tend to lean on me because I'm extremely, you know, tough and strong and resilient. Um, I tend to, you know, just really bounce back. Um, so I, I like to, um, you know, just be there for people and lift people up and things like that. So I feel like that character trait of hers and is what I kind of instilled from my own, I guess, personality and my own life. Um, and just, you know, not taking any crap, kind of a kick-ass heroine. Yeah. <laughs> and how was your journey from finished manuscript to getting an agent and a publishing deal? It was interesting. I had no idea what I was doing, you know, to start off. Um, so I, I had a Facebook, but like that was all I really knew. So I joined Twitter. I started um, joining like these writing community hashtags and participating in all these weekly chats uh, that were really fun. I learned a lot about writing, started doing um, workshops. There was a lot of um, there is a lot of free workshops out there um, if, if you if you need them um, um, for craft and, and all that kind of stuff and just started reading everything I could get my hands on. Um, basically, after I wrote the first draft, um, 
I, I started querying agents. I was researching, you know, who was looking for my genre. And, you know, in the beginning, I got, you know, a ton of rejections. Um, it's, it's really difficult. I was just listening to another podcast the other day and Lisa Cron was saying that only like 98% uh, or the 98% of people that query don't even get a, you know, a response. So it's a lot of competition and I wasn't prepared for that. I was like, wait a minute, no one's even responding back to me. I was so, you know, naive at the time. Um, so I just kept querying and then I discovered a small press. I, I didn't, hadn't heard of it before. You know, I didn't know much about it and I found the whole small press route and, um, and queried a few of those and then finally got a request, you know, for, for my full manuscript to read. And that was really exciting. And once I was um, given, they made an offer on Christmas night. What a great gift and kind of magical. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, they sent me an email and uh, yeah, it was so magical. I was sitting around the fire with, um, with my boyfriend and my mom and my sister and we were just, you know, reminiscing about the day and just what a great Christmas we'd had. And it was about nine o'clock at night. And uh, yeah, all of a sudden it came through on my, in my email and I started screaming and everyone thought someone had died. And <laughs> it was just, uh, you know, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> and so, um, you know, my mom started crying and um, it was this whole wonderful thing. Um, so that happened. I signed with them. Of course, I accepted within like five minutes. And um, then they wanted me to write the whole series, the trilogy. So I had spent the next summer uh, plotting and planning out the the other two books and wrote those a lot quicker once, you know, because once you have that world established and the characters, it's a little bit easier to to plot out the rest and write the rest. Um, so I did that. We rapid released it that fall of 2018. And then um, I took about a year to plot a new series, a spinoff series uh, with them called Beautiful Dark Beasts. And um, I have two books out um, with that one. I still have to write the the finale, the third one. But um, so that was how I got into small press publishing. And then when the pandemic hit, I was furloughed from my uh, another corporate job and um was sort of like, okay, what am I going to do? Should I just write this third book? Um, and one of my editors suggested, you know, self-publishing. She's like, you could get some uh, a bigger audience. You could explore a different genre. You can get more money in your pocket. You know, all those wonderful things that happen. So I thought, yeah, let me try this. Um, and that has been an interesting journey as well. And as we were discussing before, it is a ton of work because you are literally responsible for every aspect of it. Um, and I had gotten spoiled, you know, with my publisher, just all I had to do was write and they would, you know, figure out everything else for me. Yeah. So self-publishing has been interesting, but, um, but I'm loving it at the same time. I'm having a great time and I'm about to release my eighth book um, in a couple weeks. So, yeah. Well, congratulations. And can you tell us a little about your book, Spark and Ember? Oh, yeah. So Spark and Ember is a sequel to Smoke and Ritual. It's part of my Beautiful Dark Beast series. So Spark and Ember follows the story of Arya Frost, who is an elemental witch. And she's also the Aether, so she can control all four elements, which is very rare. Most of the, the covens in this world, they're either one, you know, they're just one element usually. So she's got this special gift. And um, I don't want to give away too much if you haven't read the first one. But um, you find out why she's so special in the first book. And then 
the romance that ensues between her and um, and a god named Chaos, whom she meets at her her school. So the first book opens with her being at like a magical training school, and Chaos shows up to warn of this impending doom that's happening and has to take her on an adventure, you know, a quest. And Chaos is from the other series. He makes an appearance in the third book of Blood and Darkness. Um, So fans of that series have really liked reading this one. Um, There have been some fan favorites that have popped up. And um, yeah, I'm really excited. Um, Spark and Ember just came out in March. I believe, or May. No, I'm sorry, May. <laughs> Trying to keep track of all my releases. Um, and that one is through City L Press, my small publisher. Um, but it's just a fun story about love and magic and witches. And um, it's there's some darkness in it and battles and, you know, just all my favorite tropes, you know, rolled into one essentially. So, yeah. Do you find yourself writing what you love to read? Yes, I do. I am I am a sucker for that. Yeah. I just um I have to be able to be passionate about it because you spend so much time, you know, with your novel that it has for me personally. I know other people write um in opposite genres, but uh for me it has to be something I enjoy reading because I mean you read your own novel like so many times over and over again as you're editing and you know, restructuring. So yeah, you don't want to get sick of your own book. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. And because you write series, world building and character development are key. Do you research and plan prior to writing? Do you keep character cards or keep a character Bible? Or are you like me and do all of the above and still have sticky notes plastered all over your office? (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do, actually. Yeah, I have um, a stack of notebooks next to me because when I when I plot, I do like to do it by hand. I will use from time to time. I'll use Scrivener um, for some, you know, keeping track of some things. But yeah, when I'm plotting my characters, I it's hand scribbles everywhere, post-it notes, um, notes in my phone. I'm not the most organized when it comes to that. I have stuff everywhere. Um, and the world building is something I definitely do beforehand. And that's a really a part that I really enjoy is creating um, magical worlds. And even though, you know, I write urban fantasy, so I do use real life settings, you know, I'll take like New York or New Orleans, but then I like to create this sort of shadow world where it's a, it's a world that's beneath the real world that they can access. Um, and that's really fun to create. And then I also take a lot from mythology too. I love um, the Greek underworld I've used and Elysium, which is, you know, the Greek heaven. And um, I've used a lot of Greek mythology for character inspiration as well and story origin. Um, You know, my vampires in, in that series in particular, you know, don't, they come from Greek gods. Uh, they come from Diana and Apollo. And then, um, and then in the spinoff series, the Spark and Ember, uh, there's a lot of like fae and fairy inspiration and, um, and some, you know, elemental magic and nature and Mother Earth and Gaia, that kind of thing. Yeah. Now let's talk about health and well-being because a lot of our work is in front of a computer. We're all writing in front of a computer or researching. I was wondering how you keep a work health balance in your life 
regarding physical and emotional and mental health? Gosh, yeah, it's really hard. And I have to remind myself too, um, you know, I I do meditate. I And a lot of that's with tarot cards. Um, and then I make sure to just take breaks. So every 30 minutes, I get up and walk around and stretch, uh, which I didn't do in the beginning. And I'd wonder why I was like, you know, cramped up and <laughs> shoulders were hurting. So um, I have definitely learned learn that you have to get up and take a walk, go outside, get some fresh air, um, drink lots of water. Um, I consume a lot of tea <laughs> while I'm writing. Um, not, not so much coffee cause that'll get too wired. Um, and then, you know, if I'm writing late at night, I like to have a glass of wine, things like that to kind of pamper, you know, myself. Um, but yeah, it's just, you really have to, you also have to take a break. Like when I'm done writing a novel, um, even before I start editing, I take like four days off to where I just sit on the couch and watch television or I'll do yoga or, you know, just not do anything writing related because I'm an over, I'm like a workaholic. I will write 20 days straight, you know, without a day off just because I, I love it. I'm passionate about it. And I'm also extremely um, meticulous as far as I like to meet deadlines. I, I don't like to set deadlines and then, you know, blow them off. So I'm very um, organized when it comes to that kind of stuff. So that can be really hard though on your body and your mind um, when you're going, going, going. So taking those breaks um, are really, really important and just eating really well. Um, I, I only eat organic food. I'm gluten-free um, and I cook most of it because I don't like you know, take out. <laughs> so, you know, just cooking really healthy food, make sure I'm eating properly and, you know, getting lots of, um, I'm a night owl. So sleep is hard for me. I like to stay up late. Um, but yeah, those things are really important because if you start to burn out, you're not going to be a good writer. You're not going to have anything great to say because you're just going to be exhausted and um, you don't want to make yourself sick for sure. Absolutely. And that's easy to do. Now, you said you were an avid reader. Who are some of the authors whose books you enjoy reading? Oh my gosh, I love, love Erin Morgenstern. The Starless Sea is one of the, like, one of my favorite books of all time. Sarah J. Mass, I really enjoy reading her, Anne Rice. Um, I do like a good Dan Brown book every now and again. It's, you know, it's just fun. I know it's. Oh, me too. I think he's incredibly talented. And I really enjoy his history. So, you know, mix that with a thriller and a good page turner. Yeah. What's not to like? Mix it up with some of your other books. It's fun. Exactly. I love the way he spends um, spends historical things to kind of create his own narrative, like with the Da Vinci Code, you know, the way he took all of that. That was really fun. Um, yeah, Anne Rice is probably one of my favorites. Um I've, I've got so many authors that I read now because a lot of them are my friends. And so, you know, like Nagin Poppin, she writes um, contemporary romance and uh, a friend of mine named Leslie Scott, she writes paranormal and urban fantasy. And um, it's been really fun to, to get to discover new people in this industry because you become friends and you trade, uh, you know, beta read for each other and critique partners and things like that. And you get to read books that maybe you wouldn't have picked up normally. Um, so that's been um, really, really fun too. Um, my favorite book of all time, I will say, is Wuthering Heights. Yes, I've read that's one of your favorite books. What is the key element in the story 
that attracts you to the writing? It could, you know, I think a combination of the nostalgia of it, for one. I read that book when I was about 16, and I was a very overly dramatic, romantic, you know, I romanticized everything when I was a teenager, and um, I really just was drawn to the darker side of the romance, I think, even at such a young age, um, you know, because everything was very Disney, at, you know, at that age, you know, you're looking at sweet happily ever afters and then you have Catherine and Heathcliff come along and it's like whoa this is really dark and and toxic and and I was you know I think smart enough to know that this wasn't a healthy relationship in that novel um, which is important for people to realize Um, but I loved just the romanticism of it the moors you know with the mist and the setting and you know I've always been drawn to being half English I've always been drawn to you know that sort of ideal of, you know, the castle or the Tudor on the English countryside. And um, I just loved the whole concept of it. Um, And then just the way that it was written as well was very poetic and introspective. And I thought that was a really interesting style. Those books aren't written that way anymore. They're not considered good literature. Like the classics now, if you were to write something like that, an agent would look at you like you're crazy. But but that was that was what you know was considered literature then, and I think it's even though it's still celebrated now, um, I just think it's fascinating, and I really like that style. And I think you just answered my next question: What is one book you'd like to see more people reading? Yeah, definitely. I would love love to see that. Um, Weathering Heights. Yeah, I think you know because. I don't know about the newer generations, like how far back they're going. I'm not sure if the classics are still, you know, just as prominent. Um, when I was in high school, I went to a private school and uh, for a little while anyways, um, didn't care for it. <laughs> but uh, for a couple of years, I went to private school and and that was required reading. I mean, we had a class that was literally just Shakespeare um, and we'd have to learn all the, you know, the, how to read Shakespeare works and um, but I'm not sure if they still do that in schools if that's you know with all the technology and social media and I think it depends on the school if they're private or public yeah and it also depends on the curriculum on the teacher and of course then we have cuts in education oh gosh yeah that's so sad and unfortunate what's going on um but yeah so if if they would read the classics I think it's even though they're di- they're different and they are, um, you know, they're not like anything we have now. I think it is important if you are a reader and, or if you want to be a writer even um, to read the classics, you know, um, other than Wuthering Heights, I, I love Lady Shatterley's Lover um, by D.H. Lawrence. That's a good one. A Tale of Two Cities. Melissa, I'm sensing a lean toward romance with your taste. Ah, yes. Just a little. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> Any others come to mind? Anna Karenina, the great one. Oh, absolutely. Did you happen to see the movie from a couple of years ago with Kira Knightley, the opening scene? It was phenomenal. And the dancing, oh my gosh, it was just gorgeous. So amazing. And just the way they captured just that whole feel, because it's so hard to, you know, obviously make a movie from a book and the costumes and the makeup and the hair, it was just, it just transports you. Yes, I agree. But you know what? It's a bit like when you read one book and a friend doesn't like that book and they're going, oh my gosh, what are you saying? Because I mentioned that movie to a friend of mine and they're going, oh my God, it was the worst thing I've ever seen. (laughs) 
what? <laughs> That's crazy. I loved that movie. Yeah, no, I loved uh, it. Like I said, it's hard to recreate a book in a film or a show. So when they do it and they capture it, it's, you know, it's amazing. Well, it's all personal taste. And actually, it's good. It's good to have everybody liking something different. But I did love the art direction in that movie. I thought it was fantastic. Right. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Another book I would love for people to read more of is Water for Elephants. That's another book that's just fantastic. Yeah. Not like anything I usually read or write for that matter, but just it was so well written and just a really moving story. Yeah. And before we go, I'd like to just mention you are what we call a hybrid author, someone who self-publishes and is traditionally published. I'd like to know a little bit about how that's going for you, because I know how much work it is to be an indie publisher and a self-published author. It's really difficult. You know, I'm traditionally published as well. And that's how I started. And then I just decided to take the indie route during the pandemic because I, you know, wanted to see if I could, you know, make a little bit more money and and see if I could, you know, get that genre. But it's been difficult. Um, I, I got lucky and, and I did get a little bit of um, a scholarship grant from the Mark Dawson Foundation. Well, that's wonderful because it's expensive to self-publish with the editing and the formatting and the book cover and the marketing. Yeah. So I was selected to be one of those people um, last year. And so they gave a little bit of money um, with Readsy so that I could pay for some editors and things like that. So that's been helpful. And congratulations on acquiring that scholarship. Melissa, it's been wonderful chatting with you and I wish you all the best with your books. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Uh, This has been a pleasure. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mandy Jackson Beverly. And check out my website at MandyJacksonBeverly.com. And if you'd like to contribute to the Coffee Fund or you'd like to financially support an episode, go to thebookshoppodcast.brusbout.com. Click on the orange heart in the top right corner of the page and you can donate using PayPal or you can email me at thebookshoppodcast at gmail.com. Thank you and I'll see you next time. Theme music provided by Brian Beverly.